Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. 1 Corinthians 15 is a chapter of the Bible that's full of eternal wonders and great and lofty kind of truths. If you read it, it's 58 verses long. But if you read it, you'll hear stuff in there like glorious bodies and about what happens when Jesus returns and the other side of that magnificent appearance of Christ and what you look like when you finish, when that all happens. There's words in there like mystery, uh, divine secrets. There's things in there like triumph and triumph there is not just your one A battle. It's when you win the war and the war's over. The whole thing is just absolutely one of those chock-a-block full kind of chapters. And then you get to verse 57. And here's where we're going to start tonight. It says, But thanks be unto God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we can all go, woohoo, how cool is that? What a wonderful verse. And if it's stopped there, then everybody is going to go, yes, yes, yes. I'm up for that. Sign me up. Where do I start? I'm in it for that. Except that it doesn't stop at verse 57. Unfortunately, verse 58 follows right on. Are you ready? Let's read verse 58. It says, Therefore, my beloved brethren or sisters, Therefore, my brother, brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Again, so far, so good. But then God adds in this last bit, obviously He's speaking to people that are beginning to wonder about whether what they're doing has any real effect. They're beginning to ask themselves, what is going on? Anybody in the last week or two, the last month or six, has asked yourself, what on earth is going on? Three of us. I was talking to someone this morning, a journalist in our church, who was saying to me, do you ever feel like all this is a dream? I said, yes, I do. Often there's a whole bunch of stuff that's going on. And I'm going, what is going on? Well, these people obviously are feeling the same way because he ends verse 58 by saying this, knowing that your labour, your work, your effort is not in vain in the Lord. Be steadfast, immovable. I know you're going through some challenging times. I know there's a few things that are puzzling you, a few things where you're not sure what tomorrow is going to look like or the next six months or the next year or whatever, he says, but because of that, be steadfast, be immovable. Now, steadfast and immovable actually mean the same thing, kind of. Matter of fact, if you look up both Greek words, because the New Testament was written in Greek, if you look it up, both words, the first meaning given is immovable. Now, when I saw that, I was a bit puzzled because I kind of, God has, you know, not somehow rather forgotten that He's already said it and so He says it again. Uh, it's, it's almost like He's saying, be immovable, immovable. 
And we go, yeah, we got it the first time. And then when I began to dig into it a little bit, I discovered that this verse has got something quite profound to say to anybody that is journeying through difficulty or challenge. So if that's not you, and if your life is super sweet and all is good and everything's amazing and you're in love with the world and love with everybody and everyone's cool and you've got everything you need more than enough to help everybody else, you can switch off. But for the rest of us, stay tuned because there's something profound in this verse that I believe lots of people don't understand or do. And so when they get into challenge, they get moved and shaken from where they are. The first word here that's translated steadfast actually doesn't refer to being in difficulty or in a challenge and somehow rather finding the inner strength. It literally means to be settled, to have made up your mind before the pressure comes. The second word there of immovable is a word that has a different uh, meaning to it. It means when you're in the middle of something, stand firm and strong. So get this a minute. God is saying, if you want to last through difficulty and challenge, in other words, if you want to come through it well, there's two things you've got to do. First of all, is you've got to settle the things that matter before the storm comes. You've got to make up your mind about who you are and whose you are, about how you're going to live, about the convictions you have, And you need to do that beforehand. And if you do, then when pressure comes, when difficulty comes, you're going to find it so much easier to be able to deal with that pressure. I realise that for many people, their whole kind of thing about difficulties is kind of like, uh, uh, you know, que sera, sera. You know, whatever will be, will be. They kind of hope, well, you know, I just kind of, how many people have you heard speak in the last couple of, of uh, months and say something like, well, I hope, I hope I'll be okay. I hope I'll still have a job. I hope I don't lose my house. I hope I don't get sick. I hope my family is going to be okay. What they're saying is, you know, I'm facing this thing and it's kind of buffeting me and I'm kind of just going, well, you know, I'm just... You know, my whole strategy is I hope I can last and see you at the end of this thing. Strikes me that for a lot of people, they're hoping that they'll make the right choices when pressure comes. They're hoping that somehow or other they don't get so knocked out of the race that they can't continue. I believe that the best thing and the most important thing, first of all, in the midst of any challenge or any opposition or any pressure is that we need both in our life. I need to have made up my mind about some things about who I am, whose I am and about my convictions. I need to have made those up long before pressure comes. Then when pressure does come, I've got to hold firm to those things. The things we've decided before the storm and our strength during the storm. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 19 is a great verse. It says this, it says, This hope we have as an anchor of the soul. 
both sure and steadfast. There's that word again. That which for us, it says, enters the presence, capital P, the presence behind the veil. Now, I haven't got time. He's writing this magnificent thing to Jewish people. It's the book to the Hebrews. And they understood all the the symbolism that's in that verse. They were used to Moses' tabernacle, that there was this veil that kept the average person out of the very presence of God, that the high priest could only go in behind that veil on one day of the year and only one person could go. And even then he walked in there wearing a garment with pomegranates hollowed out around the hem of his garment and with a rope tied around his ankle because if he died while he was in there, no one's gonna go in and get him out. And so to hear the sound of the tinkling of those bells around the hem of his garment, let them know that there was still life there. And it was such a sacred and such a holy thing that nobody would even, matter of fact, this is what the whole nation of Israel did on that one day when the high priest would go in there. The whole of the people did this. For as long as it took, they just stand there. Not a word's uttered. No work gets done. No one's checking their phone to see, you know, what's on Twitter or Instagram, or how many likes they got. That's all away. They're just there and they're all waiting. No one dares breathe because they're waiting to see what happens on this most sacred day and are they right for another year. And then Jesus turns up. And when Jesus is crucified on the cross and when He says it is finished, the Bible says that the veil, that veil, the one that kept everybody out got torn This was just something that was physical, a real veil. But instead of getting torn from bottom to top, like humans would do if they wanted to rip it, even if it were possible because it weighed, you know, hundreds of kilos. It was a huge veil. But it says that the people that saw it, saw the veil ripped from top to bottom because it wasn't a human saying, you can come in. It was God saying, from now on, you are welcome in my presence. And so now instead of one person one day a year, now it's everyone that believes on any day of the year can go into that place. It's a remarkable, remarkable thing. And this verse here says that I've got an anchor that's inside that place. The place of the absolute certainty solidity, the sureness of God, there's an anchor point in there for my life. It's almost like going, God's saying, you know what? A whole lot of stuff can get moved in your life, but let me tell you what your anchor is held into. Your anchor is held into a place that can't be moved by anything. It doesn't matter how much wind, how much wave, how many circumstances, how many opinions, no matter how much stuff goes on. He says that thing, that place in there is actually anchored by God Himself in such an incredible way that it wouldn't matter. Hell could freeze over and you're going to be safe. God's got a hold of you and your life. There's an anchor in there. A whole bunch of years ago, I was with a friend of mine out in a boat. We pulled up to fish. He said, would you mind throwing the anchor over? I said, sure. So I went to the front of the boat, grabbed the anchor and threw it over. 
Well, I watched it go down and down and down, down and down and down. Started to turn away and realised that the whole of the anchor went over the side because he'd never tied it off to the boat. And all of a sudden that beautiful anchor, that expensive anchor that hadn't been used all that much was down in about 30 feet of water. Why? Because no matter how good the anchor was, if you're not tied to it, it really can't do much good. So I've got an anchor for my soul. The question is not, do I have an anchor? It's, am I tied to it? The question is, am I coming into everything that's in front of me? And believe me, I'm not speaking tonight just about problems or difficulties. I'm talking about opportunities. Because can I say to you, more people get wrecked by, by opportunities missed than ever by failure. I believe that success tests people more than failure ever does. And God's got so much opportunity for your life. Come on. God's got so much opportunity for your life. There is so much room for the Gospel right now. We live in the greatest days of the Gospel on planet Earth. Why? Because every single day takes us one step further to that great day where Christ returns. And every single day takes us closer and closer to the greatest harvest of people coming to Christ that the earth has ever seen, more people are going to say yes to Jesus in the last days than in any days ever before. And I want to make sure that regardless of whether it's opposition or opportunity, I want to know that I'm anchored in to the right place. I want to make sure that my anchor is not just going over the side of the boat. So let me suggest to you three things that I think you need to have made your mind up well before any storm comes. And maybe if you're in one right now, you go, I needed this last week. Well, can't do anything about last week, but I can say to you, why don't you start getting these things in? And they need to be more than doctrine. You know, I love doctrine. Yeah, doctrine's great. However, doctrine that doesn't become truth is just a head full of theology. Really, the reality is, you know, doctrine only exists to give me a framework for truth. Uh-huh. And so you got to get these. So here, these are simple, but they're so simple that I'm amazed how many people have never anchored these things in their life. Number one, first thing that anchors your soul is that God is a good God. Come on. And you say, well, that's easy for you. You look prosperous. You look blessed. You look healthy. You look like you already got your glorious body. That was a joke. Hey, I'm the same as you. Stuff comes and things happen and sometimes difficulties arise. But you've got to make up your mind. You know what? God's a good God no matter what. Psalm 119 verse 68 says this, God, you are good and you do good. So many people are judging God every week by what happens to them. I got a parking space. The Lord loves me. Well, He loves you whether you've got none or you've got to walk five mile, 5K. You know what I'm saying? It's not about that. Don't put God out to hang or, you know, rise or fall based on what happens to you tomorrow. You know, some people are pumped full of faith and then they get to the car park and it all leaks out. And all of a sudden they're going home depressed because somebody didn't say hello to them at church. Going like, hello? Can I suggest to you, that you need to decide now, God's a good God no matter what. 
Amen. He's good no matter what. He's good all the time. He's just a good God. He is good. He doesn't just do good. He is God. Anchor that in your soul. Here's the second thing that I believe is meant to anchor us before we encounter issues. And that is this. I, you, we are called. When I was a kid in primary school, we'd play touch footy. And I was just the littlest kid and the slowest kid. And I used to hate the fact that, you know, the two buffest, most mature looking guys are in primary school and have got a beard. Uh, you know, they're, they're automatically captains. I don't ever remember anyone ever voting on who was captain, by the way. It was just, well, it's obviously going to be Graham Purcell. I still remember his name. You know, Graham Purcell and Mark Mazzanti. You know, Mark Mazzanti was a little Italian guy that lived down the road. They owned the house removal business. Mark Mazzanti came out of the womb needing to shave. He was just like, hello, you know. And he's just like, you know, he was buff. You know what I mean? And there's me looking for all the world like I'm the before picture, you know. You know, skinny little thing, you know, tiny, real tiny. And, uh, you know, all that stuff. And they picked them and they picked the next buff guy and the next strongest looking one, the next fast one. Come on, I need a violin right now. Playing a sad tune. You know, yeah. Because then it would be, I was always in the group of the leftovers. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I was always the one there going, where they kind of go, oh yeah, you blokes just, yeah, just go with They actually didn't care which side we went on because not one person there believed that we would make any difference at all. Huh? Can I say to you that I don't care where you think you stand in that kind of scenario. According to the Bible, God called you by name. There is not a random person in this service. Not one of you is somebody that just is like God going, well, just make up the numbers, will you? Like, hello, well, we don't really need you, but come on in anyway. There isn't one like that. And that's so important because I find that the devil wants to tell me a couple of things often. He wants to tell me, number one, that God's not good for me, that things are going bad and that's because God's forgotten me. And the second thing he likes to tell me is, really, I don't matter all that much. And the reality is you've got to build in, I'm called, I'm called. I'm called all day, every day. I'm not called because I have a badge that says pastor. Well, actually, I don't have a badge that says pastor. Maybe I should get one. I don't even have any of those little fish things that you put in your lapel when you go to the, you know, I go to the hospital to visit people. and Literally, if I go dressed up, I've had the nurses come out, pick up the chart and say, and doctor, we've been doing this and this, is that okay? I say, I'm not a doctor. They go, you look like one. I go, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm actually representing the great physician. I said, I'm from the laying out of hands medical department. Amen. Oh, come on, lighten up. It's all right. I'm cool. It's important. 2 Timothy 1.9. Here's the third thing. This is maybe the, the absolute cruncher one for these whole three, is that I'm kept by grace. Never forget that. You know, you started with grace. You're going to finish by grace. 
and you kept my grace. I've been thinking about that phrase so often. Well, it's actually here in 1 Peter 1.5, who are kept by the power of God. I've been thinking so much over the last couple of months about because I feel like we're being kept. I feel like when I come to pray, I feel like, like the Holy Spirit's gone, I've got it. I'm looking after you. I feel like He's keeping us even in ways we may not see or even completely understand. We are being kept by grace. The enemy wants to tell you it's all about how good you are, about how well you behave, about what you did last and that that's the way God is, is, is kind of um, judging you. But we started with grace. We kept going by grace. So make up your mind about these things before you encounter a storm. God, you're good no matter what. God, I'm called regardless of how I feel. You have summoned me by name. You wanted me on your team. And Lord, no matter what happens, it's grace that covers my life. It's your unmerited and undeserved love and favour that's over my life. So I expect surprisingly good things to happen when I deserve it the least. I expect unimagined blessings to come my way. I expect good things to happen. Well, people would say, what a coincidence that that happened for you. If I told you the story even of red frogs and what's happening right now with that, because it's gone up several notches. But can I tell you, there was a whole bunch of things happened a year ago that positioned us just right for this season that we come into. Now, we couldn't have worked those things out. We couldn't have imagined that and strategized it. We didn't do that. But it was almost like God going, you know what? Watch what I'm about to do. I don't know about you, but I want to live that kind of Christian life. I really do. I don't want to live the predictable Christian life. I don't want to live the one where Jesus is my butler who does everything I ask. Because quite frankly, I'm likely to ask way too little. Huh? I'm liable just to ask for what I think I deserve. I'm liable to ask for what I think is possible. I'm liable just to ask for what I can foresee. I want to live a life of grace. Are you with me tonight? I want to live a life of grace so that He can do the, the ridiculous things. I want to live a ridiculous Christian life. I want people to look at me and go, that guy is ridiculous. He's not that good. You think I'm joking, but I'm not. I want God, I, I tell him often, God, do the ridiculous stuff. Do the stuff that everybody goes, well, how come it happened to him? He's nowhere near as good as so-and-so. Amen. Well, three of you want to join me on my ridiculous Christian campaign. But I do, I want to, I want to just have ridiculous things. I want, to, I want to have favour when everyone goes, but you haven't been here long enough. Huh? Why would we do it for you? You're not even good looking. My wife thinks so. She says she adjusting her glasses. Decide you're kept by grace. Make those things up before you get to the storm. But here's the next bit, important bit. It's what you do in the storm next that matters. Let me read you this Galatians chapter 5, verse 7 and 8. Paul writes to the Galatians and he says this, you ran, past tense, you ran well. 
didn't say you're running well. He said you started. They're like someone who got off the blocks and they're smashing it. And then halfway through, oh, I don't know, they pulled a hammy. Anybody met a Christian that's pulled a hammy? You know? Some of you don't even know what pulling a hammy is. Hamstring, big tendon thing. It runs down here and you can't run if you pull a hammy. Yeah, right. You ran well, who hindered you? Who hindered you, he says, from obeying the truth? And then he says this, listen to it. This persuasion doesn't come from him who calls you. These people have started full of faith. They've started full of knowing God's a good God and they're called and they're kept by grace. But they got in the middle of a storm and they started letting themselves get talked out of what they believed. Oh, come on. I just know how much the enemy of your soul wants to talk you out of it. Well, it's too late now. Well, it's too hard now. Well, if it had been last year, maybe you could have done it. Or if you hadn't have fallen in that thing and stumbled, you could have made it. They let themselves get talked out of it. Let me bring this home here. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 and 23. Uh, there's so many songs. Uh, there's an old hymn that has this. And then someone's done an update only in the last few years and, and made a great song out of it. It says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. That means that I'm trying to be steadfast before the storm. I'm trying to be immovable in the storm. But over all of that is a God who says, even if you're not steadfast, I am. Come on. Come on. I, look, I preached the other week about the the prodigal son <clears throat> from the perspective of the father. The prodigal comes home going, I don't deserve anything. I've been bad. I, I'm, I should be rubbed out. I shouldn't be here. But the father says, forget it. And he kisses a boy who smells a pig. Smells of pig's poo and all kinds of bad stuff. And he embraces this kid because he says, your dirtiness doesn't prevent my love. Your absolute screw-up doesn't prevent me wanting to put a robe of righteousness on you, a ring on your finger, and shoes on your feet. He says, it doesn't matter. I'm your dad, and I want you to come home. Regardless of what it looks like, regardless of how I might feel, he's immovable in his love for me. I just think, you know, this has got to be about the simplest message ever. But I want you to grab the simplicity of it and ask yourself, when, when do I need to remind myself? Because, you, you know, you're a better preacher than me. I'll tell you why. Because you listen to you more than you listen to me. Huh? You listen to you all day long. And the you in there that preaches to you and says, nah, you're not good enough. Why don't you kick that guy out of the pulpit? Why don't you get a different preacher and put him in there and say, you know, God's a good God. Do you know that you're called? You're not random at all. Do you know that you're covered by grace? And let that guy 
preach to you every day of your life. Get into the storm and don't get talked out of it. Let God be steadfast in your life. Amen. Well, I want to pray for people here in this place who just say, Jeff, you know, I'm going through a storm and, you know, the waves are crashing and the wind's howling and, you know, I don't know what it's going to look like out there, but I tell you what I do know. I do know those things you said. They're the truth. I, hello. I, I, for me, I wish my life, I'm not sure if I wish it was easy. Some days I wish it was. And then there's other days where I so love the victory that comes from a battle that you never know if you never, ever fight. I'm going to preach in a week or two's time on a fighting spirit because I believe that it's one of the most important things for the 21st century church to discover and to hold on to. You are not at the mercy of whatever the devil wants to do. There's a steadfast love of the Lord that never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. Amen. Come on, let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, for people that are a part of this service wherever they are. Lord, maybe they're in a country right now where infection rates are skyrocketing and lockdown's happening again. God, maybe they've just got a new contract and things are going so well that tender got accepted and they feel like life couldn't be better than what it is. Lord, I pray that no matter which one, we will be anchored in You. We'll be steadfast, no matter what. We'll just be holding on for everything You've got for our life in Jesus' Name. Lord, I pray for people here that may never have said yes to You. Maybe they've thought about You. Maybe they've wondered. Maybe they got confused because there's so many religions, so many ideas, so many opinions. Maybe some Christian or someone who said they were hurt them or let them down or maybe even ripped them off. And now they are going, oh, I just don't know what to make of it. And yet there's something still inside them that whispers to them that you're there. God, I pray tonight they'll say yes to you. You want to come into their life. You don't want to observe them. You don't want to direct them. You want to befriend them. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Amen. It's so easy if you want to say yes to Christ, whether you're in the building or whether you're a part of this service online. If you text yes to 0488 826392, if you're in Australia, that'll be the easiest way. And then every morning thereafter, you do that. And literally hundreds of people have done this and people do it every single week. You can do it whatever hour of the day or night you want, 0488 If you do that, the next morning, we will send you a scripture and a prayer. It fits on one screen of your smartphone, by the way. And we have chosen that. It comes from our church. It's not from somewhere or other else. We're not harvesting anyone's data or anything silly like that. It's us saying, we want to help you discover Jesus. We want to help you get to know Him because He's worth knowing. And so 0488826392 if you're in Australia. If you're outside of Australia or you'd like to get that daily help, that daily inspiration, if you'd like to get that via email, then you go to yes.metrochurch.org.org.au. Yes.metrochurch.org.au. 
www.ngcc.org.au and give us your yes and we'll send that to you and we'll be praying for you. We don't know your name. We're not asking you for that. But we start praying for you every week. We start praying for all the people and right through the week, our prayer team prays for you. And we would love to celebrate with you. Maybe I'll never see you until we stand before Jesus. But I tell you what, I guarantee you'll come up and say, you don't know, but I said yes. That week of September in 2020, remember that year? And we'll all go, oh yeah, that was, that was in a different year, wasn't it? And we'll all go, yeah. And you'll go, but I said yes to Jesus. And now I'm here. And we will go, oh, that's worth everything to hear that story. 0488826392 or yes.metrochurch.org.au. Pray you'll do it. I really do. It'll be the greatest thing you've ever done in your entire life.